Welcome everybody to Forgotten Heroes. Uh, Zach, joined by Chris this week. Hello, I'm back. Yes, so Rashad is unfortunately still dealing with uh, life stuff. It happens. So, how you doing, Chris? Uh, pretty good, honestly. Yeah, making it work in the, the middle of the circumstances and everything like that. And that's kind of why we do this. Give ourselves some relief, give people who are listening some relief. But yeah, you know what? I'm doing pretty good. Things are things are okay. Excellent. That's very good to hear. So actually, yeah. Chris, what's funny is that I've actually spoken to some of the audience about Ooh. some, maybe some changes. Nothing terrible. Just like, eh, let's do, like, add something because Uh-oh. This, is this where you yeah, fire me no <laughs> yeah fire after one episode <laughs> no uh, so it has come to my attention that i have not truly been making it clear for most of the listeners are the a- average comic book aficionados as in some people have only seen the movies maybe they've read a mm. little maybe they've read a comic here or there and sometimes it can get confusing when when we start talking about like different versions because mm-hmm. sometimes they, right people could be confused. Of, well, wait, you talk, what Earth is this? What are we talking about? Hold on, what? So yeah, I'm gonna change it. And about every episode, every now and again, I might re- remind the audience that so we're gonna be talking about a Marvel character. So Marvel, mm-hmm. like DC, has a multiverse. Unlike DC, Marvel's multiverse is infinite, and yeah. it and it contains like an infinite amount of worlds and an infinite amount of versions of characters. So, but primarily the one that most people, if you just go pick up a random comic book, will occur in the main Marvel universe, which is referred to as Earth 616, unlike mm-hmm. DC, where it's Earth Zero, Earth Prime. Yeah. Because in Marvel, there's really no like definitive, this is where it started. It's just, you know what, this is the one we're going to focus on. And there could have been an Earth One at some point, but who knows what happened to that. Mm-hmm. And I will also mention, if we start changing Earths for different versions of characters and which Earths they're from, as well as, obviously, the recommendations later, if you want to read more about them. Mm -hmm. So, Chris, I asked you again this week to pick a character. Last time, we did Wolverine, and I believe this time you gave me a villain. I did, yeah. I want to talk about Green Goblin this time. That's the plan. Green Goblin a.k.a. Norman Osborn. Now, mm-hmm. obviously, this is going to be 616, Earth 616, the main Marvel Universe. Now, at the beginning, I started to do some research, and I, you know, we came to a bit of a, um, I, I guess, an issue, because I started looking at just different versions of Norman Osborn, and to be honest, most of them are just goblins. That would be yeah. cool. It's like, oh, here's a goblin of this world. Here's a goblin of that world. Yeah. Eh, it's the same thing. Like, no, a lot of the no, times, it, yeah, it's just like they change up, like the goblin's just like a different color, which there's like a couple versions of that where he's a different color for a reason, and there's a couple ones where it's just like, yeah, let's just, you know, make him a different color. Like, there's different versions of him that have to do with that color, and there are other ones that are just like, oh yeah, this is an alternate version, so we need to like draw him differently, or just like make him look a little bit different so that we can show that it's alternate, but it's essentially the same character. Exactly. So, we're going to start off with Norman Osborn. Green Goblin, and if you've ever seen the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies, that's... Wow, why am I blanking on his name? Oh, Willem Dafoe? Thank you. Willem Dafoe. Yeah. What? Yeah. I, don't, I had his name, and then it vanished. <laughs> <laughs> nah, that's all right. I mean, he, honestly, I think he was 
well, I'll go off on a very small tangent about the movies because I have a very certain standing on that. But as far as like casting of villains, um, I think they did a crazy good job with Willem Dafoe as that because he's got like the facial expressions. So he can like very much make his face pointed um, and was kind of like training to do so as he was filling the role. So I think, yeah, awesome, awesome, awesome casting. So he's like, in my opinion, he's very, very pretty, pretty close as far as you can get to like a 616 accurate like representation of Norman. Exactly. So, you know, Norman Osborn, founder of Oscorp, who which accidentally made the the spider that gave Spider-Man his powers. So he took a formula to try to make it make himself kind of like Spider-Man except he didn't really know how it worked. So when he when they made the formula, it kind of it messed with him. You know, it actually gave him another identity because he does have dissociative identity disorder, Norman Osborn, mm-hmm. which it's not, I don't believe it's, it's not really fully explained whether that was before or after the serum. Sometimes it's like, oh, it's before, sometimes it's after. Yeah. Right. And so then he dons the, you know, the iconic green 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 skin suit and mask with the purple clothes he, you know he's got his glider he's got his mm-hmm. pumpkin bombs he just got that crazy laugh just whole thing just yeah. goes all in yeah, on the I, goblin the important thing to remember is that like norman whether he was um diagnosed with dissociative identity disorder in the multiple universes and versions that we're going to talk about um it, the the point is is that the serum made him crazy. It amplified sort of like the worst parts of his personality. So whether or not he has the disorder, if he has it beforehand, it makes it worse. If he doesn't have it, he probably gets it from the serum. It just makes him a worse person and brings out the worst in him. And that's like exactly. kind of the essence of the goblin. Right. And his most infamous kill, uh, for anybody who's seen Amazing Spider-Man 2, minus the fact it was in Norman, but has read the early Spider-Man comics, he kills Gwen Stacy now. Mm-hmm. And the whole thing is he kind of, he was going to kill her anyway of throwing her off the bridge and then Spider-Man tried to save her and, you know, high speeds, so sudden stop with the webbing and neck snapping, which was, which I th- I feel kind of in a way started the whole, for those who haven't heard this term, it's called the girlfriend. It's called the girlfriend in a refrigerator term. And, they, and then when they refer to comic book characters, it's uh, you, the hero has a girlfriend or significant other that, just dies at some yeah. point, usually in a gruesome way to just propel the story, which mm-hmm. early years of comics, it it was very unfair treatment, uh, which it fully came to a head with a DC character that I will probably mention in a future episode. Mm-hmm. So Green Goblin kills Gwen Stacy, and then it just continues this whole nemesis between him and Spider-Man. We're going to jump a, a little bit ahead in time, this is like the majority of Spider-Man uh, on Marvel uh, comic books. So we're going to jump to the early 2000s when after the Superhuman Registration Act and Civil War, which unlike the Marvel movie, like encompassed the entire superhuman community and a lot of, pe- a lot of innocent people got hurt. Um, S.H.I.E.L.D. was bought by Norman Osborn. So he disbanded it renamed it Hammer, and was like, okay, this, is, yes, we're going to be publicly good, but in the back, we're still going to be doing our villain stuff. 
he actually formed the Dark Avengers and became Iron Patriot because in the Dark Avengers he had different supervillains replace heroes uh, and just take their costume, really. You know, he said somebody yeah. was standing for Spider-Man, somebody is standing for Hawkeye, mm-hmm. except for two superheroes, Ares and Sentry. Yeah. Um, but he needed a Captain America and an Iron Man, and he had actually some Iron Man suits that he bought because uh, Iron Man was... Uh, I think he lent them to S.H.I.E.L.D. or because he was in charge of S.H.I.E.L.D. at the time. So he's just like, you know what? I'm going to just combine the knight and the soldier, the me- what those two characters stand for, makes Iron Patriot. Yeah. Which in Marvel, is, in the movies, is played by um, Don Cheadle. Uh, yep. James so. Rhodey, Corporal James Rhodey, right? But yeah, no, it's yeah, it's a little bit different in the movies because, you know, obviously... If you make a movie for every issue out there, we're going to have, like, thousands and thousands of Marvel's movies, and everybody will get, like, more sick of them than they already know. But, like, yeah. uh, the like the very brief stint as Iron Patriot is very interesting. Um, it's something that I've, like, known of, but I haven't read that much of, personally. Um, so, yeah, the idea behind it is it's really interesting. It's sort of like the whole reskinning of Oscorp and therefore the reskinning of the Avengers on top of it. It's like a really nice metaphor in kind of like a dark and brooding kind of way. Right. So then, so obviously that doesn't last forever because status quo. Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, then we're going to jump a few, another decade or so in time. So in the, from 2010s and onward, Cletus Cassidy, a.k.a. Carnage, uh, another Spider-Man villain, related to Venom in some way. So Norman Osborn actually gets his... Um, so yeah. Norman Osborn gets a hold of the Carnage symbiote and bonds with it. Now, the combination of the symbiote and the Goblin formula actually turns him into a character known as the Red Goblin. Mm. And that's that sort of color difference that we talked about earlier. This is one of my favorite bad guys in the Marvel universe, because what you're doing is you're taking a person who was converted to the evil presence that they have now, and you're adding something even more malicious on top of it. So Carnage is essentially, um, the way that it's scientifically explained is that he is, if Venom could reproduce, that's basically what Carnage is. So Carnage is essentially like a, he's more vicious. Um, he takes over his host more completely right? So Venom, it's all about us. Carnage, it's more about me. You know, he still says us, but his folk, his sort of desire is, you know, violence and bloodlust. And then you like throw that on top of the goblin sort of like weird sociopathic and what Joker-esque tendencies and you get Red Goblin. And he is just absolutely brutal and has like an insane track record for racking up bodies. And yeah, he's, he's just... He's another one of those like villains that it's just like very much like an idea that you're like, oh, what if you combine this and this? Like that would be crazy. Like that's Red Goblin essentially. He's just like, like two halves of just like horrible things, and that like just makes him that the monster that he is. And he's he's so awesome. Like he, he's not awesome. He's terrible. But as a character, I appreciate him because he's so well done in my opinion. Yeah. Now with getting the Carnage symbiote does come with more powers, kind of like Venom, you know, can form weapons with the symbiote, webbing, wall crawling, because those are things that Carnage got from Venom and Venom got from Spider-Man. And Carnage is 
stronger than Venom. It's the children can become more stronger than the parent, and Venom yeah. and Carnage bonded with a serial killer, so instant craziness. Oh, um, yeah. Yep, so then also on top of that, for some reason, he gets pyrokinesis, which helps him form Carnage bo- bombs, which are kind of like <laughs> his goblin bombs, but his pumpkin bombs, but he can make them, and he can just form a symbiote uh, like goblin glider out of the symbiote and i'm like okay yeah. cool you yeah. just gain powers yeah and that's one of the cool things just like all all the symbiotes as well like um if you haven't already like we should maybe talk about like the symbiotes on top of it too because there's so many eventually you get to like a king symbiote and i won't go off on a tangent but as far as like talking about um yeah carnage just like picks up stuff and it's due to just like the symbiotic nature of him so right. norman doesn't need the tech anymore He's just become sort of this, like, amalgamation of just, like, a fleshy symbiote and just, like, pure madness. And it's – honestly, the art around Red Goblin, I think, is some of the best Goblin art out there because it's done so well. And he's, like, sinister and sickly and has, like, these big red claws and is just, like, ugh. Like, he just – he looks so demonic, and it fits perfectly. Yep. So Spider-Man, spoilers, obviously going to beat the bad guy because why else are you reading comic books? That's what we do. Yeah, that's what um, we love. That's why we're yeah, here. Exactly. So, <laughs> so when Spider-Man beats Red Goblin, fun fact, the actually the bond between Cletus and Carnage is so strong that even when Car- even when Cletus himself is dead, part of him still lives within the within the symbiote, like his personality. Mm-hmm. So you, you could say in a way part of his soul. So yeah. um so it still resides in there. So got so now Norman Osborn has three voices in his head, his own, Carnage, and Cletus. So yep. that's terrifying. But yeah. then as Spider-Man beats him, the psychic backlash actually destroys Norman's mind. And then the cracks of his mind, of his personality, are filled with Cletus's personality. He believes so in a way, he believes that Spider-Man or Peter Parker is Norman Osborn. And himself is Cletus Cassidy. Meanwhile, it's just Norman Osborn. Yep. But he's so yeah, gets... broken now that he, <laughs> he thinks he's somebody else now. Yeah, and that's an important thing to note is that more often than not, when one of the myriad of symbiotes that do exist within the Marvel Universe bonds with someone, the first person they bond with is always the strongest bond. They take little pieces of everybody that they touch over time and sort of like bring it to their own personality. And therefore that lets them sort of like upgrade, get better powers, help their hosts out more, stuff like that. You know, if you're in Venom's case, help. All the other symbiotes are pretty much evil. But the important thing to note, yeah, once again, that first bond is the strongest, which is why when you look at Eddie Brock, more often than not, when he's separated from Venom in a long period of time, whether it's Brock or Flash Thompson, depending on which one you look at, usually as Brock or Flash Thompson is his first sort of um, combination. He's usually the first person that he involves himself with. So depending on which universe you look at, Venom gets passed around, Carnage gets passed around, but they always have the strongest point of origin to their first host um, and take little pieces of it with them, even though they are a symbiote. And so, yeah, that sort of like creates the hell that Norman then uh, has to deal with. And so you mentioned the three voices. He's got his own, he's got Carnage, he's got Cletus. And then if you're looking in some specific universes, he's also got the DID, the Disassociative Identity Disorder on top of it. So it just like completely nukes his mind essentially. And he just, he doesn't know which way's up, which way's down. And it just totally destroys Norman. And yeah, it's like one of those things that 
it happens in the moment and Peter doesn't understand it until afterwards type thing. And yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's very well done, but it's crazy. Yep. So now we're going to stay in 616 universe, stay in the main Marvel universe. And we're going to hop to a different goblin. Now, if anybody's ever seen uh, the 90s Spider-Man cartoon series, or has even just picked up a random uh, Spider-Man comic book, you might see somebody that just looks like an orange goblin. Mm. Now, it's not, you wouldn't call him orange goblin, because that, come on, how silly does that sound? Yeah. So that is actually a separate oh. character. <laughs> Sounds almost as silly as Grey Goblin. Mm. <laughs> yeah, uh, almost as silly as just naming just a different color goblin other than Grey yeah. Red. Once again, the colors thing. Here We're back to it. We're bringing it back around. <laughs> exactly. So, Earth 616 Marvel Prime Universe, we have another character called Hobgoblin. Now, he's actually been six different people. I'm going to talk mainly about the first one, mostly because he, in a way, leads to the other people becoming mm-hmm. Hobgoblin. But we're mainly going to talk about the first Hobgoblin, Roderick Kingsley. So this man has was a kind of failing businessman. And it was actually... So he actually discovered a hideout that Norman Osborn used. And he found some of the goblin tech. So what he did is at first, all he was just... He just changed the color of it, changed the color of the, the mask to make it almost sickly skin color. It became Hobgoblin. Throughout the years, he's actually upgraded the tech... And then eventually got the goblin formula as well. So, and but some a difference other than just the suit color is he actually uses hypnosis to turn other people into thinking that they are the hobgoblin, basically thinking that they're Roderick Kingsley, but just the hobgoblin part, so they'll do his job for him. Yeah, yeah which has led is- to multiple people being hobgoblin. Yeah, and it's one of yeah, it's sort of the the identity behind Hobgoblin is that it can essentially be anybody, and that's what makes him kind of scary, and that's what makes him very lovable as a villain in my uh, eyes, because you can switch the role, and therefore the roles can be filled differently. Now it gets a little bit messy, but you know Roderick is sort of the one who ushers it in as well, and there's also another uh, quote unquote original Hobgoblin, and that's sort of like Ned Leeds, and he's a little bit different because I believe he's actually has like special forces training or something like that. Am I speaking on a turn there, Zach? Or is is that true? Um well just to highlight that Ned Leeds, he's actually I believe in the in the Spider Man movies, he's Spider Man's best friend. Yes. Yeah. We don't know if he's gonna go that route. Let's mm. hope it doesn't, because he actually does not, I believe I he does he did. not you might be I thinking might be, of a different Hobgoblin. I probably am. On, there's so many. Like I'm, I'm most familiar with more of the uh, newer versions of Hobgoblin. I still know about Roderick and Ned and stuff like that. But um, I'm more familiar with sort of the Hobgoblins that came out around sort of like the Spider Island series and stuff like that. That's more of the area of my like understanding. So, but yeah, that's yeah. good to know at the very least. I way I got my facts straight. Because holy cow. Yeah. Well, as it happens, you have so many people being one character, you don't know which is which. Yeah, exactly. That's sort of the same thing that happened to me last episode. I was like, oh, wait, maybe it's this. Oh, no, it's not actually Jean Grey. It's somebody else type thing. So, yeah. Yep. So there's actually... Okay, so we've mentioned a world in our previous episodes. We're going to stay in Earth-616, a.k.a. Prime Marvel Universe, 
but we're going to go into the warp world. Now, I don't believe I explained this fully. Warp world was due to an event called Infinity Wars, which is in a way the fourth sequel to the first Infinity Gauntlet storyline, where mm-hmm. Thanos or for the MCU, just Infinity Wars, Infinity War and Endgame. So where Thanos got the gauntlet, snapped his fingers, half the universe was annihilated and he became a god. There have been two others. I'm not going to get into those because those are crazy. Infinity Wars starts with, again, the Infinity, the Infinity Stones. They're being found, uh, but we got to keep them safe from Thanos. Plot twist. Thanos is dead at the beginning of this, so he's not the one going after it. It's another character called Requiem. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to spoil who that is. Um, <laughs> but what they do is they f- they do the same thing. Half the universe gets wiped away, but instead of disappearing into nothingness, it gets folded in half. And then by the end of that story, it copy it, unfold it, put it back where it should be, and keep Warp World in the Soul Gem, which is its own pocket multiverse. So that's kind of the best way to sort of describe that, once again, as well as you can, especially because, you know, the main bad guy behind the Infinity Wars is already dead, so you need to look to somewhere else, and you also need to look to the stones again. Once again, you know, sort of, I feel like this is just one of those things that's going to come up in every episode when we're talking about, like, Marvel, you know, just, you know, oh, the stones are involved, so everything is backwards and things aren't, like, how you expect it to be. So, yeah, that's kind of the best, that's kind of a my own little personal tangent to just be like, hey, if stuff's weird... Check out Infinity War. Look to see if there's a stone involved, because there usually is. <laughs> That's how it works. Exactly. In this universe, and I know I've mentioned it before, with characters such as Ghost Panther and Little Monster, there's an amalgamation between a character just called Werewolf, oh, yeah. which I believe he was also he went by well, Werewolf by Night, mm-hmm. or they just took the name of a different character, and Green Goblin, to make Goblin by Night. There's actually so there's actually two of them. Yeah. Um Norman so Norman Russell. Russell's the last name of the original werewolf character. Um and Harry Russell. Or Harold. I believe they call him Harold. Or Harry. Yeah. They call him both. So what the difference between Goblin and Goblin by Night is it's in the name. It happens only at night. Norman Russell is cursed by lycanthropy mm-hmm. due to his cutthroat business tactics. At some point, he got cursed with this. It's not really stated when, but in his first appearance, he actually kills this version's Peter Parker. Of this, Sorry, not this Peter, version of Peter Parker, but his uncle and aunt, Ben and yeah. May, yeah. which then leads to this version of Peter Parker becoming Arachnite. I will, in a Spider-Man episode, definitely mention, we'll be talking about him and what he is. But for this simplest explanation, it's this version's, this universe's Spider-Man. Norman Russell actually loses the curse, but he accidentally passes it on to his son, Harry. And And the difference between them for, for Norman, when he's in his human form, he's actually paralyzed. His yeah. legs are paralyzed. It's, it's, again, not really specified why. It's just a, 
happenstance of the curse. But when Harry gets the curse, he actually retains some of his humanity so he can still talk and think. Again, this is also a, in a way, a split personality. Mm-hmm. And he has a and he has a goblin glider. Not specifically said if he has any pumpkin bombs because they didn't really last that long. Yeah, true. And also he didn't really, you know, need the pumpkin bonds, what with like being a werewolf and all. But yeah, it's an interesting idea, sort of how like Norman Russell is sort of like debilitated, even though he is sort of a cutthroat businessman. And then the werewolf curse sort of gives him like the one thing that within the human form that he would probably wish to have back, which is the ability to walk. And so it's it's an interesting sort of juxtaposition where something that makes him like animalistic and completely brutal in nature gives him back one of his sort of uh innate human features so yeah it's an interesting sort of like approach to lycanthropy and like combining it with another villain and honestly i like it you know it's brief but i enjoy it yep yeah but so do i and the spider-verse is one of my favorite oh yeah subsections of marvel so we're now we're going to travel from one amalgamation to another so on earth 9602, which is known as the Amalgam Universe, which possibly shared by Marvel and DC, because this is the same universe where Super Soldier and Dark Claw, um, yeah, yeah. and Hyena and all those other guys and Skulk come from. Yep. Late 90s, DC and Marvel were like, all right, what would happen if we just combined? So they both formed a smaller company, Amalgam Comics, to just mash their characters together one of the products was two-faced goblin which is very much in the name <laughs> yep two-faced and green goblin yeah uh, supposedly has the same abilities as both of these characters possibly also more insanity because both of them have split personalities yeah uh, dissociative identity well, disorder possibly one much also. more literal than the other <laughs> one much more physical and yep very literal. And he only, only makes one appearance, and that's kind of it. And his name is yeah. Harvey Osborne. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah I, I, honestly, it's like, I don't know. I like the Amalgam universe, but I, I wish they did more with Two-Face Goblin. I really, really do. Because I feel like Two-Face is also, he's a very underrated villain. I feel like he's glossed over very easily in, like, media representation besides the comics. You know, he has a very brief stint in The Dark Knight Returns, although good. And, you know, in sort of all the original sort of Batman shows and stuff like that, he's, he comes off as like some like somewhat of a half-baked villain as compared to the rest of them. Um, and he's well, really Two-Face. not. Yeah, Two-Face. You know, like Two-Face yeah. himself is actually like very, very – they don't talk about like how smart he is. Um, and he's very well trained in like hand-to-hand combat. Um, and he has – I think he might actually have special forces training. I think I might actually be saying that right this time. Um, but yeah, he's very glossed over. So when I think the reason that he may not have had as much panel time, um, as I would have liked him to is because of that sort of due to that, he's skipped over very easily in the bat fandom because there's so many other villains that are just like absolutely just like insane concepts that when you compare Two-Face to them, he just looks like a normal person. So yeah. Right. So now we are going to move on to a different goblin we're gonna to move to earth 19529 yeah 
welcome to Marvel. The multiverse have weird numbers. Sometimes they don't even really have numbers. They have an infinite amount. It gets crazy sometimes. And they don't even specifically tell you sometimes what, what Earth it is. You just kind of have to... Yeah, you got to figure it, it out. Up you gotta use yeah, your, exactly. Yeah, you got to use your genius level Batman intellect to figure out which Earth you're on. So now, this is called the Spider-Man Life Story. Now, most comic books have kind of a sliding time scale. So it's like, you know, they've been going on for, you know, for, for so long. It's a way to quantify the passage of time in, in like, just in comic books. So it's like you could be reading about Spider-Man about back in the 90s or whenever they restarted, if they ever, which they never truly restart. But it's a way to, like, they compress time. So it's like, yes, you've been reading Spider-Man since the 60s, but he doesn't age yeah. in real time. Yeah. So they stopped doing that. Though they continue to do that, but in Spider-Man Life Story, it doesn't happen. Everything takes place throughout the decades. You know, the 1960s, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, mm-hmm. 2000s, 2010s. So, and this is, this is like watching Spider-Man grow old and like some characters change, some characters don't. So in this universe, Peter Parker, you know, Harry Osborn, best friends, yep. uh, Norman Osborn becomes the Green Goblin. And then, so in 1977 of this Earth, uh, Harry is actually, he actually becomes the Black Goblin. Mm-hmm. And I think this is actually what you you were talking about earlier with um what is it Goblin by Night? I think this is actually the Harold Osborne version you might have been thinking of. Yes, they called it. I think after a while they he's like it's no longer Harry, it's now it's Harold. Yeah, yeah, that's what this is. Okay, yeah, because you were you were right with that. I was like, no, there is a Goblin that's Harold Osborne, but yeah, it's this one. Yeah, this is he just took up the mantle of Goblin, but didn't want to be green, decided to go black. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it has it has a very interesting sort of because I believe this is also the Ben Riley Spider-Man is involved in this universe, and so when Harold Osborn, there's a whole big mess. This is another one of those where it deals with clones, which you know Peter has been cloned many many times, whether it's Kane or whatever. Yeah, this is the one where Ben Riley uh, was picks up the mantle of Spider-Man, and then Peter Parker is cloned. And so Harry Osborn realizes that he has been sort of like hanging out with a clone, Peter Parker, and then on top of that realizes that Peter Parker was Spider-Man, even though Ben Riley in this timeline is currently Spider-Man. And sort of that sort of that whole like weird, his like the foundation of his reality is so shaken that it essentially drives him. It, it's kind of the motivating factor for him picking up the mantle of Goblin. But yeah, exactly. Cloud Saga, which when we have our Spider-Man episode, we might we can make it two-parter possibly. But that is an infamous Spider-Man storyline that took way too long. That took so many years. Oh my god! It really yeah. did not have a satisfying conclusion. And in this story, they kind of did did it and done with. They did it real fast and like, nope, we're not getting into it. Here's the clones. This is what happens. Goodbye. Yeah, and the clone doesn't last very long either. As far as like the cloning of Peter Parker timeline goes, um, this is kind of one of the better examples of one. Um, and I would I would also sort of like caution. This will be included in my recommendations. Sort of like the Spider Island um, clone incident with Kane as well. I mentioned him earlier, but he's kind of one of my favorites. So yeah, no. As far as like presenting the cloning of Peter Parker as it has presented in like literally the hundreds of other ways. Um, this one is done in a very nice sort of tight vignette and it ends in a pretty good way. 
So yeah, and plus Ben Riley Spider-Man. Who doesn't love Ben Riley? Like, come on. <laughs> yep. So actually, now that you mentioned the Spider Island, we're gonna move to to another crazy version of the Goblin. So on Earth 19919, this takes place during what's known as Secret Wars, mm-hmm. the third one, where Do- Doctor Doom becomes g- God King of whatever's left of the multiverse that he mashes into one Earth, and one of these Earths, one of these lands became was Spider Island. Now Spider Island is it was a Spider-Man storyline where on Earth 616, everybody, a lot of people in New York City, specifically Manhattan, got spider powers. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually sort of turned into full-on gigantic spiders. Right. So, obviously, on Earth-616, Marvel Prime Universe, heroes win, everybody's saved, the villain who's responsible, the spider queen is taken down, they win. Mm. But in another reality, which became part of Battleworld, which is where the side stories of Secret Wars happens, she wins. And all the heroes that she could possibly infect with the spider virus become infected and become spider monsters. So, but in order for the survivors, like Agent Venom, Vision, a few other people, they had to override the spider DNA, got mixed with everybody else, with other monsters. There was the lizard DNA, Morbius, Mm -hmm. the living vampire, Mm -hmm. werewolf, and this one, and the goblin, the goblin formula. This person that the resistance infected with the goblin formula was... Iron Man, Tony Stark. Yep. He became the Iron Goblin. <sighs> Another brilliant name combination. Yeah, this is actually, it's it's funny that you mentioned that because this is one of those guys that I have heard rumors of. Um, I have not gotten around to reading this alternate version of Spider Island. Um, I have a hard copy version of the original Spider Island. And it's very close to my heart. But I haven't read the alternate version, so I know of Iron Goblin, but I really don't know much about him. He's one of the few like Goblin iterations that I'm just kind of like, huh. Yeah, I can see that being a thing, but, like, don't really know too much about him. So fill me in here. Help me out. The Resistance needed more tech to save, you know, the humanity and to, unfortunately, infect them with different DNA, which they did not infect anybody else with the Goblin formula. Thank so God. the only the only person that they knew could, even if he went a little insane, could do it, even with the short amount of time until he becomes insane, was Tony Stark. They infected him. They got him to fix, they got him to make the tech, and he doesn't survive it, uh, this whole experience, but he saves New York of this universe, of Battleworld Spider Island. He also still used the Goblin Glider and colored his armor green and purple. I think that was just kind of a silliness of like, it's inherited by the Goblin formula, whatever. I don't know why. They just felt like, you know what, he just went all in. He's like, eh, let me just go all in this. Yeah, let me just... Let me fully embrace this. <laughs> yeah, pumpkin bombs. I'm like, okay, whatever. Sure, why not? You know, Iron Man pumpkin bombs. You know, I think it's it's probably mostly for just like the visual representation, you know, because technically he wouldn't really have time to color his armor and all that other stuff when the, when the clock is ticking with the goblin formula running through his blood and stuff like that. Right, and that, and he also, you also saw him slowly lose his mind. Like he'll be start becoming more paranoid. You know, he start laughing for no reason, become a little irrational. Yeah. So you see him slowly taken over by the by the goblet formula. Of course, at some point, Tony Stark decided to sacrifice himself instead of succumbing fully to the goblet formula. Yeah, which is a very Tony Stark move. 
you know, some of, some of the best sort of iterations of him involve sort of self-sacrifice and stuff like that. But it's cool because I, I like that you talk about the paranoia aspect because I was actually going to say something about that. Tony Stark is very, very, very paranoid. So if you mix a goblin formula into that, that is going to like turn into full on like tinfoil hat Tony Stark. You know, he's already kind of there. He just hides it really well. You know, that's sort of like a big reason for him creating all the gadgets and all these different suits is because he sees so many possibilities of different threats coming at him now that he has this power and everybody knows who he is, right? So the paranoia coming out, that's a nice touch because that's that's sort of like a undersold element of Iron Man as being the hero. You know, that's one of those flaws that I think they highlighted really well in the movies and some iterations in the comics they show, but it doesn't get nearly as much panel time as it does in the movies. Um, Iron Man 3 was kind of meh in my mind, but they showed off his paranoia really well from the first Avengers movie. You know, there's a big portal that opened up in space and aliens came down through it. And sort of that's sort of the start of Tony just creating more and more and more and more and more suits so he can just protect everybody because one, he feels it's responsibilities and in some cases it is. You know, but on top of it, it's fueled by sort of that negative um, emotion of sort of paranoia and fear. So, yeah, that's cool. That's really cool. Yep. And so I believe we have now reached the time to discuss some recommendations. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, are we? I, I thought there was one more that we were going to talk about. Did you want to talk about that one more? Mm, the thing is, it was one of those that... Um, it showed up in the schedule that you sent me today, but I am actually very unfamiliar with it. So okay. it was it was the uh, the House of M Green Goblin, which is one okay. that I'm just like not very well known. If you think it's too basic, we can skip over it. But it's just like I didn't really know anything about that one. No, I can give a, a quick well, I can give as quick as I can with Marvel. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is another alternate Earth Earth fifty eight one six three. As Chris said, it's is was what's referred to as House of M. Now, House of M was in the early 2000s, like 2005-ish, um, mm -hmm. where Scarlet Witch was, she wasn't, she was having a mental breakdown. And in the, now in the movies, you you can see her powers. She can, you know, manipulate, like telekinetics, kind of do stuff mostly with that. But in the comics, what I think they're going to soon get to with the WandaVision show is she's actually a reality warper yeah so she can mess with reality there are other characters that are still stronger than her that can mess with multiple or just create but what she did at this time was give everybody their, their greatest desire and she made an entire universe out of that well Ooh. she kind of wiped away marvel prime universe and then did this and then it went back which then it just became an alternate reality this has uh, you know, it has its own Spider-Man, its own X-Men, Avengers, whatever. This is a universe where the mutants are kind of more in charge than humans, mm. if not mostly just accepted, but there's still, like, a little bit of discrimination in the background, but now it's for the humans and not the mutants. Yeah. So Spider-Man on this Earth is considered a mutant. I mean, how could you not consider him a yeah. mutant with what yeah. he can do? Which is the biggest lie he's told. And on this earth, Spider-Man has his Uncle Ben, and he's a successful businessman. Oh. Um, and everybody also knows he is Spider-Man. But, you know. Yeah. That's due to the sort of climate, it sounds like. Right. So he, so he is living a lie. Does get told. But before it gets told, a Green Goblin shows up and starts to push, you know, it starts to sabotage him. Sabotage his life. 
you know, oh. revealing he's not a mutant. Meanwhile, this is a world where mutants are kind of in charge. So why is this non-mutant being, you know, being as successful as him? Taking down his, taking down his business, taking down some workers. And then you're like, oh, my God, why would Norman Osborn do this in this universe yeah. if everybody got their desire? Yeah. Well, well, I mean, here's the thing. Norman Osborn didn't do this. Mm. Peter Parker did. Oh. So Peter Parker in this universe is also Green Goblin. Due to his guilt complex of being subconsciously aware that the life he, he is living is not one that he should be. Basically, he should be, I'm not a mutant, but I'm, I'm lying about it. So his own guilt caused him to sabotage his own life and assume another identity. Wow. Wow. Wait, that's kind of awesome. I kind of yeah. love that, actually. I was, like, kind of weirded out by that at first. But now that I think about that, that makes a lot more sense than I expected it to. Because yeah, one of the so hallmarks of, like, uh, sort of classic Peter Parker is the guilt. And the guilt is very much a thing of what drives him. You know, he feels guilty for Uncle Ben. He feels guilty for Gwen Stacy. He feels guilty for... You know, anytime he fails, right? So he's just the OG version of Peter Parker. He's very much a golden boy. You know, he can find a solution to everything. So when he doesn't, it absolutely destroys him type thing. So that's cool that it it's a manifestation of, once again, a split personality, except this time within the hero. And right. so, and yeah, it makes sense because there's plenty of timelines where Peter's like, I don't want this. I never asked for this. You know, there's a more majority of a timeline where he accepts it and he's like, all right, I can do this stuff. So I need to do something about, you know, all this crap that's happening all over the city. I need to have some sort of influence in it because I can do stuff that everybody else can't. Right. And also, due to his spider sense, he subconsciously remembered everything. So he knew that the universe they were in was not the correct one. Hmm. But the and the memories he retained of his original life, he just thought they were made up. They were stories that he just, you know, made up, just random thoughts that just came in his head and and vanished. You know, he so he remembers Uncle Ben being dead. He remembers Gwen, Gwen Stacy in this reality, his wife being wow. dead. He wow. remembers all of this. So this guilt broke his mind to the point that he became the Green Goblin on top of being Spider Man, which. Yeah. Oh my God. Like what an awful set of circumstances to have spider sense in. And I can't believe I'm saying that because like, that is like kind of the power that makes him Spider-Man. It's what gives him an edge and stuff like that. Like there's iterations where he's trained and like he's trained so extensively. Um, I think by like Wolverine or like other combat experienced veterans that like, if he trains enough with the spider sense, he can stop violent events before they even happen because his spider sense is so evolved. So like in that respect, the spider sense sabotages the sabotaging of himself and drives him to like sort of a crazy point. So that's very, that that's, that's insane. That's nuts because that's a very different way to use uh, spider sense. You know, it's much more technical versus practical and it has to all do with sort of like a psychosis element too. Exactly. To the point that he just he's like, eh, this life is this life is wrong. So why should I enjoy it? So now with unfortunately on a sad tone, but we're talking about goblins here. <laughs> it's really not yeah. going to be a happy tone, I don't think. Oh, never. 
No. So I want to get some recommendations. So for Green Goblin, Norman Osborn, Earth 616, Earth Prime, there's a lot. He shows up in a lot of his, uh, in a lot of his stories, even at even some other people's stories. Okay. So I'm just going to go off of like really their first appearances. Earth 616, Norman Osborn, and Hobgoblin. They're, they just pop up here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so for the first appearance, as Green Goblin was actually back in 1964 on Amazing Spider-Man number 14. As Norman Osborn was Amazing Spider-Man number 23 in, 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 back in uh, 1965. Yeah. And then Red Goblin, Amazing Spider-Man 798 in in 2018 now for those who are wondering wait have they been tracking all these numbers since the beginning they have and they haven't um they kind of go through so the the higher number ones are more legacy of like okay technically speaking since this writer we've been going we, we went back to like one two three now we're just gonna go you know what we're just gonna go we're gonna keep going from basically like if we never stopped counting from the first yeah which it's confusing sometimes, but huh. you, yeah, it's yeah, sometimes they I mean, just do this. There's goblins all over the place. You know, there's they, they pop up everywhere. So if you're interested in reading, you know, more about goblin and stuff like that, you really don't have to look far. Um, if you're looking for goblin variation, that's where you need to do a little bit of digging. Because as yeah. we said, sort of at the beginning of the episode, usually it's just they switch the name or they switch a color or they switch the onset of the disassociative identity disorder, whether it's Harry, whether it's Norman, whether it's somebody completely different, you know? So it's like, you, you need to do a little bit more research if you want to find different types of goblins. Um, but they are like, all over the place. Yeah. Like ho- a different type of goblin, Hobgoblin, who first appeared yeah. in Peter Parker, the spectacular Spider-Man number th- 43 in 1980 as Roderick Kingsley. But as Hobgoblin, he was an Amazing Spider-Man number 238. Um, it was the first time you see him as the the villain. Yeah. So Goblin by Night is going to be in Infinity Wars Arachnite. Um, and number is one for both Goblin by Nights. Um, Two-Face Goblin shows up in Speed Demon number one in 1996. Mm-hmm. For anything I always recommend for anything amalgam try to find them try to find a way to read them online because those yeah. to get those physical are extremely hard because they did not make yeah. it yeah 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 that's that's yeah that's sort of your best your best bet if you're looking for goblin variations is just start with the internet that's sort yeah. of the best way because a lot of the best iterations like Zach said are like just really hard to find yeah and you know this is part of the internet so here we go. So yeah. if you want to read you about Black, yeah, exactly. Black Goblin uh, from the Spider-Man Life Story. Spider-Man Life Story. I believe now you can pick it up in a graphic novel form. So. Oh, cool. This is just, there you go. Yeah, this is just if time progressed normally. We didn't we didn't do any um, we didn't do any time scaling or anything. It's just if this happened with the decades. You want to read mm-hmm. about Iron Goblin? Uh, he's in Sp- Spider Island. Um, 
excuse me, Spider Island Secret Wars. So there's the Spider Island, and then there's the Secret Wars Spider Island. Um, yep. Those are two different things. And then House of M Spider-Man slash Green Goblin. Just look up Spider-Man House of M. There you go. Yeah, and, lots of yeah. lots of lots of different ways to go through that. So um, I have a couple, like literally only two more that I want to throw onto the end of those recommendations. Yeah. Um, the first one is just sort of like Ultimate Goblin. Um, and I, the Ultimate Goblin, he's very he's kind of basic, but he has a very special place in my heart, um, and it's mostly due to his design. Yes, the um, Ultimate Goblin is actually from the Ultimate Universe, where it was, if I believe, Chris, if I'm getting this right, they wanted it to be kind of more realistic, and also yeah. people were getting kind of tired of the normal comic books, so they're like, let's do something that's a bit more realistic and yeah. hardcore. And this, this is also the universe where Miles Morales Spider-Man starts off. This Goblin, uh -huh. if I'm not mistaken, is not just a man with the formula and a suit, he's he no. mutated himself into a physical goblin monster. Yeah, so he, he's big and he's bulky and he's got scales and a big tail. So if you've seen the um, the newly released, I mean, it came out a couple of years ago, of the animated movie uh, Miles Morales and sort of the Spider-Verse that was released by Sony Pictures. Into, yep, Into the Spider-Verse. Into the Spider-Verse, yeah. Um, that... The Goblin in that movie, he shows up very, very briefly in the beginning, but that's essentially Ultimate Goblin, this big hulking monster. And I think that's one of the reasons that I love him is that, you know, yeah, I, I think it had to do with sort of the exhaustion of seeing the same model over and over again. But it's also just a completely different reskinning um, to like his character as well. So it's once again, still relatively the same minor cosmetic difference, but it changes his character and sort of like the overall arc. Um, and so once again, that's in the Miles Morales, the ultimate universe. Um, and the other one I was going to talk about was Demogoblin or Demogoblin. Um, and so the sort of first appearance that you get from him, I actually know this issue, is the Web of Spider-Man number 86. Um, and Demogoblin is a connection of uh, Jack-O-Lantern and Green Goblin. Um, so those of you who don't know, Jack-O-Lantern is sort of, he's another... <laughs> Uh, Marvel villain. He's not touched on a lot. He's kind of one of those that you only really know if you read the comics a bunch. Um, he doesn't really have a whole lot of other appearances. Um, but it's a combination of Goblin and uh, excuse me, Jack-O-Lantern. And that's Jason Masondale Jr. who picks up that mantle. Um, and that's another one of those where the design is just like so satisfying to look at. The illustration on Demo Goblin, you know, like as an artist, as a comic book lover is like one of my favorites. Um, once again, not a whole lot of variation. He is a hybrid, um, but he's still relatively simpler because you have Jack-O-Lantern, which has like the pumpkin bombs and the pumpkin tracks and everything, and then Green Goblin, who has the pumpkin bombs. So there's a lot of similar motifs between the two of them, but the combination of both of them, they get a cool name, they get a cool design, and honestly, he gets a really cool story arc. So I'm going to throw him in there, too, for one of my recommendations. And I can actually provide you with the ish number. So, like, that actually makes me feel better. I sound like I know what I'm talking about. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> excellent, excellent. So that will do it for this episode. Uh, we will release another episode next week. Chris, thanks for joining me again. Oh, yeah, a pleasure. I love talking about villains. And I love Spider-Man-related vision because that's, like, sort of where my breadth of knowledge is. You and I are very similar in that. It's just like, oh yeah, Spider-Man? Gotcha. Covered in that aspect. Yep, that is something we both share. 
Oh yeah.